Before we get started, don't forget to subscribe, click on that notification bell, like, dislike, comment, and uh, follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts. Now, these are really trying times all around the world, especially right now in America. After all these unfortunate incidences that have happened through the past decades, And I want to let everyone know this right now. There is no room for racism. And the weaponization of racism. And racial profiling. And downright murdering of races that you don't feel that are equal to you. If you are a person that feels that someone is beneath you. Because of the way they look, then I think it's the time that you take a real deep look at what you have going on in your bubble and move to another country. Because this is not the place for you. Now, today on the Angel of Words podcast, we have Ebony Allison. Head of content of Blue Magazine and the woman I report to at that magazine. She's going to be here with us speaking her truth on deck on the Angel of Words podcast. Hello, welcome to the Angel of Words podcast. And today we have a very important guest during some very important times, Miss Ebony Allison, who is the head of content for Blue Life Media and the lady I report to at Blue Magazine. Miss Allison, thank you for joining us here today on the Angel of Words podcast. It's a pleasure to have you. Hi, Angel. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Thank you. You know, I would have loved to, you know, be meeting you under better circumstances, but, you know, uh, things are what they are, and the revolution is being televised, contrary to popular belief, and, you know, it has to be. And, you know, I want to start off with your your thoughts on um, George Floyd and the Amy Cooper situation, the weaponizing of racism, and your thoughts on that. Oh, my That is, I mean, that's heavy, just like out the gate. Starting with, before we even get on to the George Floyd situation, I want to talk about the Amy Cooper and the Amy Coopers of the world who have just used their privilege to lie for so many years on so many people. And I just think about how many Black men have actually lost their life because of People like Amy Cooper, who have literally just fabricated stories just because they know they have this privilege. Um, So, yeah, I think the whole Amy Cooper situation is just like, it's disgusting. I'm glad that the man who recorded her was able to actually get it on camera. Um, I just think that situation just like literally, it just disgusts my spirit. But, and then even when I hear like she's been saying how her life has been destroyed and all of these other things. But it's like, had he not made that recording, he probably would be in the situation uh, that George Floyd is now, which is no longer here. So 
no. Like I just feel like the whole the whole situation is just disgusting. But switching over to George Floyd, um, so I actually haven't watched the video, right? And like I kind of refuse to watch the video just because like the I just feel like it would be too traumatic. I think the last video, not even I think, the last video that I actually watched was when Philando Castile was explaining while his girlfriend and child were in the car. And I just remember how I felt that morning and watching that video and just literally laying in my bed, like, traumatized. So I haven't watched the George Floyd video because I just don't want to relive or put any more trauma on myself that we don't have to go through. But um, the situation itself is it's just a heartbreaking situation. And it's just like, we are in the year 2020, like still fighting the same fight that our ancestors had to fight. And it is just, it's disheartening. It's discouraging. Um, yeah, I just feel like it's a lot of trauma like that is continuously thrown in our faces as black people. Um, I think the media, it, I don't know, it just, the way that the media does that, I think it's like very intentional, of course, to always want to publicize like all of these types of things because they know the trauma that it will have once a black person watches, like watching yourself or somebody that looks like you being killed on camera is always going to lead to some sort of trauma. And I hate that the media always just continues to publicize it, talk about it, but maybe not show all the videos so much. Um, then again, I mean, maybe you do have to keep showing these videos because at some point we have to like start fighting back. And that's just, I just think we're all tired and drained from it. No, you reach a threshold and you mentioned something uh, relevant. The fact that she's complaining about, well, we're going to talk about Amy Cooper first. The fact that she's complaining about the fact that her life was destroyed. But think about how your life can be destroyed as a minority. Let's say, you know, let's say this guy wasn't an older gentleman. Let's say he was a young kid in a park, just needed a stress reliever because he's going to school, you know, and, you know, he's upset about the fact that he couldn't graduate this year from college and he would have been the first one. Like, you know, you, you like when you make these type of accusations, when you recognize racism, you know, in this in this manner, you don't know whose life you're destroying, man. Exactly. You know, and it, and it's really sad that you can really go out there and do something of that nature and, you know, and expect to get away with it, yeah. you know, and expect to get away with it, you know, and with the George Floyd situation, man, that, you know, if you haven't watched the video, I mean, look, I don't, you know, it, it sucks that you're to the point where you don't even want to watch these videos. First of all, yeah. that's a travesty all in its own, because yeah. that tells you something about America right mm -hmm. now. You know, in America for the last several decades that, you know, that that is it's disgusting when you when you're like, I don't I can't even watch this anymore. It's crazy. And, you know, I mean, as people, you know, our age, like this is our revolutions. This is our time to step up. You know, this is our time to, you know, not sit on our asses and, and, and make moves and, and and show the world that if we really want to be progressive, these are the steps that we're going to have to take. Now, there's a big face in the in, in the um 
and the activist community, Tamika Mallory. I don't know if you were able to hear her thoughts on the situation and um, and and actually telling corporations like you have a responsibility here because that's what I that's what I also heard. It's like I don't give a crap that we're looting, you know, your 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 targets or your Walmarts or your urban outfitters because they talk about all these small businesses. But they're really talking about Walmart, urban, all these big corporations that are getting looted as well. And your thoughts on Tamika Mallory and her and, you know, her voice in the community. Uh, oh my God, I think she's such a powerful and strong voice in the community. Like she's just amazing, and like I just love everything that she has to say. But um, absolutely, like large corporations absolutely have to take responsibility. Like uh, we posted a video on Bombshell's Instagram page. Like Rihanna was at the BT Awards. I want to say like maybe it was last year, but she talked about how like other companies or people who want to break bread with you, but they don't stand with you or fight this fight with us. But we spend our money with you guys. Like the uh, most, so many corporations are in business because of the black dollar. So like, if you are not speaking up against the injustice that we face, then you are a part of the problem as well. So it's just, uh, it's just such an unfortunate time. I think I love this statement that, James Baldwin has says where he says the the reality is is that America does not know what to do with this black population. And he said this years ago and to be in the year 2020 and it's like still a relevant thing that this country that was built by black Americans, well black people, people of color and the fact that this nation has no clue what to do with these people. Like we have put every opposition against them but they somehow still manage to overcome every op every opposition but they're still overcoming it so like what can we do now to just try to break them down and i feel like that's just the spirit of america is to constantly try to figure out a way to break down the black race but yeah just agreeing with what she said like corporations have to take responsibility they have to fight this injustice with us. I think Nike put out a campaign that said, for once, just do this, like, do it. Like, don't just do it. That's what it was. So the campaign that they put out was just saying, don't, don't, do not not speak up. Don't turn the other cheek. Like, you cannot, like, you absolutely have to speak about it or else it just will continue to get swept under the rug or looked at as not a big problem. So. Yeah, I absolutely agree with everything she said. Yeah, I mean, they're quick to take away our sponsorships whenever we do something wrong, with, but they're not quick to go out there and start making press releases to to, to tell us, oh, to you know, or to support the community. It's insane, man. Exactly. Like, are y'all kidding me? But yeah, they will take away your sponsorships in a blink of an eye. You say one wrong thing, like, give us our money back, but you don't want to speak up I don't know but this is the country like we honestly I feel like at this point can we really be surprised like we already know what this country was built on and it was not built on equality it was built on racism and keeping a certain race of people oppressed so that's just like 
what this country is. I don't know. And, and you know what kills me, Ebony? I'll be honest with you, because, you know, I, I love history. And, you know, during the Boston Mac Massacre, you know, back in the mid-1700s, black people were there fighting with Americans to get to yes. liberate them. You know, they yes. used the Indian culture at the Boston Tea Party to, 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 to get, you know, to, to, to overcome the British, to try to overcome the British Empire and make a message, you know, and that was looting. And now we're getting, you know, uh, you know, dehumanized and criminalized and, you know, all these type of things for, for things that we were taught you know, to do. It's freaking crazy to me. It is so crazy, Angel. It's just, <laughs> man. Like, yo, am I bugging? It's like, sometimes, like, am I bugging? Like, did, did we not read this growing up? <laughs> yo, it yo. is so crazy. I don't know. Oh. I'm what about your boy Joe Biden? What's up with that, man? What? Wow. Now it's like, wow. Because we have no recourse now. It's yeah. either the racist Biden or the racist Trump. This is crazy. And, you know, I just, I'm like Jim Clyburn, bro. Like, you know, he's the man. You know, like a lot of respect out there in South Carolina. And this is the guy you're shedding tears for on a press conference. And right. he goes out there on a breakfast club and says, if you're not black, if you don't vote for me, how does that make you feel, Ebony? Yo, oh my God. That morning, when I woke up to that headline, I'm just like, yo, what the heck? Um... But the fact, first of all, the fact that he was even comfortable with saying that was just like, yo, what are you talking about? Like, yeah. what? I don't, uh, yo. In the words I, of 6 9 are you dumb? Literally, like, <laughs> yo, are you dumb? Obviously, wow. you are. Obviously, you are. Obviously, you're ignorant. And okay, get And Barack Obama's vice president. So, like, how dare you ever say, like, we are not black if you don't vote for me? Uh, okay. Um, yeah, I don't know. Angel, I'm like literally at like a complete loss of words when it comes to like everything that is going on in the country right now. And just, it's just frustrating how everything is a race thing and how everything is targeted towards black people. Like, uh, it is just tiring. But Joe Biden is like, I don't know what we're supposed to do this election. Honestly, it's like Trump or Joe Biden. Like, I don't want neither. So what what am I supposed to do? <laughs> Yo, I'm sure there's way. I mean, at the Democratic National Convention, you could actually try to elect somebody else and then put it to a vote. There is there is the possibility to do that. <laughs> like, that might happen. Like, it's getting to the point where we don't know these next few months what is going to happen. Because oh, something needs to happen. This is crazy. This is crazy. 2020 came in swinging, like throwing all types of bullets at us. We were, this is yeah. not the year that we expected. But yeah, uh, yeah I'm just, I, I don't know what to do. I don't know who to vote for. I don't know what to do. Like, I don't want to vote for either of these idiots. So... That's so what do you think, you know, what do you think, what do you want, like, as a person of the black community? Like, what, 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 you know, what, what is something, you know, is it reform in the, in the judicial system? Like, what do you think will be the good, you know, the right steps to start taking, after, you know, during this process now that we're undergoing? I think, first of all, acknowledging, like, I think people honestly need to acknowledge the, the problems or the, the issues that they have 
brought on to just the black community is people in higher power need to literally just own up to like the fuck up, own up to your racism, own up to your bullshit. Um, that starts there. And then honestly, and just genuinely want to change. But I mean, as far as moving forward from this, it's kind of scary because it's like, how do we actually move forward? Because either way, we know whoever is elected is a racist. And we know that no matter how much we fight, like what we need is not going to be in there. It's not going to be like something that they actually are working for. Like they're not working to better the black community. Um, so it's just a really scary time. I talk to my friends like overseas in Europe. And they always talk about like, yo, like maybe you guys need to like leave and like move over here because black people in Europe or in London or overseas are just not treated at all the same way that we are treated here in America. So it's just a very, like I said, it's just a scary time. And I honestly don't know how we will move forward with a racist president. But as far as change, I think that it's going to have to start with like real unity. Like black people have to be more united than ever. Like we can't lean on the president. We can't lean on the government. We have to literally lean on each other and be that support for each other and build each other up literally and support our businesses and buy into each other and keep our dollars within ourselves. I feel like that's the only way that there will be change in America. You think about like things like Black Wall Street that they burnt down, but how those group of Black people were just able to set up a business and create this thriving community for one another. I think like that's the mentality that we absolutely have to go back to. And I even think about like, I don't even know if people know that Central Park used to be a community that was owned by black people before they got pushed out and up into Harlem. But we have to go back into that sort of time where black people or people of color literally just unite as one and build our own communities. And that is the only way that there will be any sort of real change in America. Yeah, and stop the culture vultures too. Stop yeah. them. Stop them. And, I, and that's why I love what Swiss Beats and uh, and Timbo are doing. They're like, nah, we're not selling this. This is staying with us to yeah. further notice. Like, we're going to figure this out because, I mean, the, that's the only way. You got to hurt their pockets, man. You really got to hurt their pockets. Hurt their pockets. That is, that's the only way. So until black people stop spending... Yeah. And keep the money within the community. Like that's the only change is money. Yeah. Unfortunately, is the only way that this will change. So. Yeah, no, and I've been challenging the Latino community too because some of us try to like, they, like uh, you know, I'll be honest with you, I got to be very critical sometimes because, I, you know, I like to keep it real. And we got to join the forces, man, because I'm seeing, you know, I, I'm seeing, I'm hearing a lot of silence and I'm not liking it. Oh, I'm you not liking it, Angel. Yeah. I'm so glad that you. No, I'm it. not liking it, man. I don't, I don't, I don't like that, man. It it really bothers me, man. It really bothers me, and that's a and this issue is a humongous privilege issue that in 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 the Latino community gets swept under the rug. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, I grew up with some gram because I'm a dark skinned Latino, so you know, I you know I, I've grown up with lighter skinned girlfriends, and their and their grandmothers are like, yo, don't ruin the race yeah literally you yeah. know what i'm saying like things said to me in my face bro that kind yeah. of bigotry 
You know what I'm saying? So there's a big divide amongst the Latino community as well. And we need to, you know, get up and realize that, you know, we need to join forces because this is this is affecting all of us. It isn't just affecting the black community. This will and is affecting all of us. And you could think that you're part of, you know, that 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 American flag and those you and those type of people that believe in those kind of ideologies, but you're not. When I see like when I see Latinos, you know, supporting Trump, when Trump support, I mean, you know, Trump and Trump. Trump supporters, when they're out there with Confederate flags, it's like, yo, did you go to school? Like, are you educated, B? You know what I'm saying? Like, come on, man. Yeah. Do you know what that flag means, bro? That's up there with the Nazi flag. Like, yo, that is the most degrading, uh, uh, dehumanizing flag that you could be walking around and and you with this wave? Like, are you joking? Like, is this a joke? Like... You know what I'm saying? Like, there's one thing supporting Republicans, man. But, you know, you're supporting a movement right now that is totally anti everything that you are. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I mean, yo, it's so crazy. I don't even like you know that. Yo, and I feel like, yo, somebody's got to say it, B. This is crazy. Am I bugging? It's so crazy. And I'm so, so happy that you actually touched on that. Because, yeah, I want to even talk about that really quick. Because just for the simple fact, so, like, I grew up in Ohio, right? So there's not, like, a large Hispanic or Latin community where I live at at all. It's black or white. Like, that's it. So when I moved to New York City, and there's, like, so it's a huge, huge Latin community in New York City, right? And it's so crazy because you hear them use the N-word all day long when they communicate with each other and I think that when I first moved to New York like that really bothered me because I never heard anybody outside of a black person using the n-word so I was like wow this is okay here okay well I guess that like you guys feel like you are one of us which is okay I hear you but then the racism that is in the Latin community and how they deny their blackness I'm like yo you understand that you're black like the whole denial of it and then the whole like with everything that's going on right now i have a lot of friends who are like puerto rican or dominican and they just don't feel the need to speak about it because they are like it's not our issue it's your issue like you you want to say the n-word but now you don't want to fight the same fight with us but you want to use the same word like it just blows my mind so I'm so glad that you even brought that up because that is one thing that disturbs my spirit so much. You know, and Ebony, I'm I'm glad that you said that because, you know, that is something that does happen here in New York City. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You know, you could even accuse us as being big culture vultures because it's like you said, like, yo, we out here and we're this and we're that. You see the kids on the train, you know what I'm saying? And where where are you now? Where are You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, I mean, it's it's like you cannot do that. You, cannot. you know, you that's that's playing the fence to the ninth degree. You know, if you're with the wave, you got to ride the wave all the way till you hit the shores. Like, yeah. don't give me that, man. You know what I'm saying? And and that has been that's been and it bothers me. It really bothers me, man. It bothers don't me a lot because it's cool or because yeah. we do things that you like. But then when like this happens, it's like you're silent. So I don't know. That it really bothers me with this. The whole Latin community. That's just like a whole other 
conversation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, no. Well, we're having the conversation. Right, <laughs> right honestly, we are. <laughs> man. We're here to talk about it, man, you know? And I get a lot of flack, but like, I don't care, man, because I'm about, I'm about unity, man. I'm about bipartisanship. I'm about being an independent thinker. You know, you know what I'm saying? And, you know, you, you have to when when you're right, you're right. When you're wrong, you're wrong. And I'm not going to keep my mouth shut and be like, oh, nah, man. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm I am down for the cause and I'm, I'm going to make sure that everybody knows how everyone is feeling. If I can, yeah. you know, I know that's impossible, but if I can try to relay these kind of messages from all different angles, I'm going to do it because I feel like that's the only way that we're going to get any type of unity or, 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 or be able to relate to one another in any type of way. And yeah. we have these, un, un, you know, awkward and uncomfortable conversations because everybody talks about it, but nobody's doing it. You know nobody what I'm saying? Is doing anything. Um, and even like still talking about this, there was a, a picture that somebody posted. Um, it was three gentlemen standing. It was at the CNN Center in Atlanta. There was three gentlemen. One guy had a Black Lives Matter flag. Um, it was a guy in the middle, and then there was a guy beside him. He had the flag, but it was a Mexican. It was like the Mexican flag. So obviously, but you can zoom in on the image and see that, okay, the kid standing behind the Mexican flag is probably a Mexican, right? So the guy in the middle was holding both flags together, though, like with the black power fist. So he was holding both the flags together, like showing unity. And so I'm looking at the comments because now my, now my thing is to read the comments so I can see who's really a racist. So I'm reading the comments on the picture and there were so many of like my Mexican friends who were leaving comments on this picture like, yo, why are they bringing Mexico, like, Mexico into this? Like, keep us out of this. We don't have anything to do with it and all of this other stuff. And I'm just like, yo, what? Like, no. like yo, what is happening? Like, Obviously, they're all three up there, like, showing a sense of unity, like, because this person is fighting the fight with us, and everybody is having all of these negative comments, like, yo, why is he up there with our flag? Like, he needs to take our flag down, and I was just reading, my mind was blown by these comments, and it's just like, yo, damn, like, there is so much separation and division, and, like, craziness in this country when it comes to the black race the people love us like you love our music you love our dance moves you love everything the food we- man. <laughs> like- you know what i mean yeah it's like it's you only you know you, you want to be you, like i said you want to ride the wave when it's convenient for you and yeah. I feel like Latinos are doing that as well sometimes. You know what I mean? I'm not going to say everyone. I'm not going to generalize all of us. But I see them out there just like the ex- the, the example just, just stated. R- you know, when it's convenient for you. Oh, nah, chill. Let's not get involved in that. You wildin'. Like, yeah. That's too... It's like, wildin'. nah. That, that, that that's not like, cool. Not? Oh, so, yeah, that's... Yeah, yeah, I'm glad we talked about that. Yeah, no, that's no, no. No, no, that's good. But you know what? Let's talk about what you do. You know, let, let's switch it up. A little bit. You know, know, we can have the rest of that conversation off the air. You know what I'm saying? Yes. And you have all the images on your wall. Like, I love it. Oh yeah, no man. Like you know, like like you know, it's just like you know, it's just. I mean, a lot of like you know, it's like. Uh, just a lot of people just don't know me sometimes. Like, they try to put me in that Latino box or that 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 hood box. And it's like, yo, like, you really... 
I'm just well-rounded, you know what I mean? Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You know, like, that's who I am. You know, I respect everyone and all their cultures. And, you know, I like to immerse myself in different cultures. And I respect everybody, you know, to the point where you disrespect me, then I lose respect for you. But that's natural. You know, that's just the way things should be, I think. You know what I'm saying? Right. But, uh, yeah, nah, man, you know, like, like I like to I like to know about things. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Now, yeah. um, I want to talk about your journey into media. And how you became uh, the head of of, of, of the uh, of Blue Magazine, you know, the head of the content of the Blue Magazine, and Bombshell also discussed that because a lot of people, you know, they may not know that Blue and uh, Blue and Bombshell are correlated. Yeah. So whew, my journey in media. Uh, yeah. So I think honestly, truly, like what I'm doing, I always do that. This is what I would be doing. I just didn't know how I would actually get into it because I'm from like such a small city. I'm from Akron, Ohio, but hometown of LeBron James. LeBron James, baby, out. He's right behind me, actually. You, you'll see it on the other podcast. Yes. <laughs> LeBron's right behind me. <laughs> so I think just like being a kid from uh, inner city, a small city where like, People don't even believe in dreaming. People don't like, you know what I'm saying? It's like to have a dream in Akron, it was just like, what, please? You think you can work in media and like write stories and be a journalist and work with celebrities and do all of these things? I think where I, where I come from, like that's not a realistic or attainable goal. Um, people just don't believe in it. So that was always just like something that um, I don't want to say, but I will say, actually rewind that. I'll take it back because LeBron James was actually somebody who I was like this all my life, right? Like, because as a kid, he was the only person that we had to look up to. He was like the icon. So seeing LeBron, I was always like, yeah, I'm going to be great like LeBron. I don't know what in what field and what area, but whatever I'm going to be in, I know I'm going to be great like LeBron. He has such a standard. He's from Akron. He did it. So somebody else can do it too. Um, but my journey, I went to college in Atlanta. I started at SCAD, which is Savannah College of Art and Design. Ended up losing my scholarship at SCAD because I was wilding a little bit, because I'm young, of course. But um, transferred to the Art Institute of Atlanta. So, but I was a fashion student. So fashion led me, after I finished school, ended up in Chicago, interning um, at the Ralph Lauren flagship store. And then I ended up being hired. So I worked for Ralph Lauren for a while. Um, but while I was in Chicago, I just knew like I wanted to be in in the industry. And I knew that the industry was in New York City. So like I hate, I don't want to sound cliche at all, but my story is literally a dollar to dream. Angel, I had $700 in my bank account when I moved to New York City, literally. No place to my- live? You had no place to live? Um, I had a place to live for a month. Like I had a, an apartment that I was able to sublet for a month. But after I paid for the apartment that I was subletting, literally all I had left in my account was $700. Now, this was the thing. When I was telling people that I was moving to New York, I was telling them that I was moving there for a job. Mind you, I did not have a job. I didn't have anything. I didn't know a single person in New York City. But I knew that if I told people that, they would really look at me like I was crazy. So I just like, I kind of fabricated my story a little bit because I didn't want people to be in my ear to try to talk me out of it. Because when you have a dream or a passion or something that you love, people are really good at trying to talk you out of pursuing something that you want to do. 
Ooh, I know all about it. <laughs> man, that's like people just love to just kill a dream. Yeah. It's like, yo, oh, yeah. <laughs> Misery loves company, Ebony. You already know. That's that's the uh the age old song right there. Oh, and gee. So moved to New York City, didn't know anybody. I'm in New York and I'm just like trying to figure it out. Hustling though. So now I'm here. I have seven hundred dollars. I have an apartment for one month. And I do not have a job. Like, what the fuck? I got to get to it. So I want to say my first week. Oh, I, yo, my story is crazy because my first week in New York, I'm where I got a job at a dry cleaner in Queens, right? So I'm living in Harlem and I'm having to like commute from Harlem to Kew Gardens. And mind you, I don't know shit about New York. Wow, that's a long trip too on that so, E-train, man. <laughs> yo, I'm like, yo, what is this? To get to Kew Gardens just to make $100 a week at this dry cleaner, right? Like not even making any type of money, but it was just something to for me to like be able to eat. That's all I was thinking about. Like, yo, I need to be able to eat. I need money to do X, Y, and Z until I figure out like how to get a bigger position because New York is a city of connections, right? Like if Facts. you don't know anybody, it's going to be very hard for you. Facts. Um, by the grace of God, I had a friend who also had literally moved there at the same time as me and he introduced me to Devon. So I went, I met Devon. Um, I told him what it was that I was trying to do he was like moved by the fact that I literally like didn't know anybody in New York City and just packed up and just came. And he gave me an internship. I wasn't getting paid through this internship at all, but he gave me an internship just to 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 for an experience. Um, but to me, that was like, okay, I got my foot in the door now. Now the thing about Devon is Devon has a his network is a big is profitable right so he has people around him who can just elevate you um and then so, the owner of blue everybody just so you know he, he, he yeah. runs blue magazine yeah <laughs> so devon um introduced me to daryl so at the time when i first moved to new york of course i had this fashion background so i wanted to be I, in my head i wanted to be a, a celebrity stylist like the next biggest celebrity stylist that new york city had ever seen that was my goal so um he introduced me to his friend, Daryl Glover, who was a huge style. I mean, Daryl is still a huge celebrity stylist, but he, at the time, Daryl was working with Chanel Monet. He had just did the Beyonce campaign. Like, with the Q, it was so many people who he was touching, and I was like, oh, my God. Okay. So I met Daryl, and I just told him, like, yo, like, I really want to do this. And he was like, well, how serious are you about? I was like, I'm very serious about so then I started interning with Daryl as well. Mind you, at this time, I'm still working at the dry cleaners in Queens to get my little $100 every week. Um, but this is all in the first month of me being in New York City. And so what happened with Daryl, at one point, I ended up getting a new job, right? So I get a new job at this restaurant called uh, Brasserie Eight and a Half as a hostess. Um because granted, I could have probably maybe like got a job in fashion, like with my degree and stuff. But again, because I didn't have like the right connections to those people, it was like nobody was hitting me back. Yeah. Um, so I'm working at this place, Brasserie, and 
also interning at Blue and interning for Daryl, hustling. Like, uh, this was like a real fucking hustle. And one day, Daryl, I'm at the fucking brasserie. I'm at the hostess stand. And Daryl calls me. And he's like, yo, uh, I need you to quit your job. I'm like, quit my job? He's like, yeah, I need, to, I need you to quit your job because, like, I need you to just work for me full time. And we have this tour that we have to get ready for and all of these other things. I'm like, wait, what? Quit my job? Tour? What is going on? <laughs> so, <laughs> so we were, um, at the time, we were, like, working with these guys, Nico and Vince. And they had, like, the number one song out in the country at the time. And they were getting ready to go on tour. So this was the tour that he had to get ready for. And... He needed so much more help, plus he was taking on new clients. So that was, like, the pivotal moment. Like, that's when things just completely shifted from me working as a hostess to now, okay, I'm being put full throttle into this, like, life that I prayed for. Um, But, whew, quit my job. Uh, Working with Daryl. Love Daryl so much, but I, uh, I, I can only say that I just, I think people have a misconception about how much money you make in the entertainment industry, right? People think because you're a stylist or because you work with this celebrity that you make bread. And the reality of it is like, ugh, that's not the case. Then you learn about invoices and being paid net 30. So that was like a whole different ball game for me to process. Like, damn, I got to pay my bills like in two weeks, but this invoice isn't going to clear for like net 30. Um, but from that, so boom, working with, so interning to being like a actual paid staff for Daryl, but I was still interning at Blue while I was being paid by Daryl. So now I was just like, I had like this freedom to be able to really like chase and thrive in like my, in my dreams. Um, but Oh my God, Angel, I feel like it's like so many things that were happening. So in the midst of all of this, doors finally started open for me in fashion. So I ended up actually getting a corporate job at a company called Trilux, which is a fashion production company. So now I'm like in a space where I was like, okay, now I'm like second month in New York, working at Trilux, working in fashion production. I'm working full time for Daryl with all of these amazing celebrities and I'm still an intern at Blue, right? So... Um, but working with Daryl was an amazing experience. We worked with a lot of people, but what I can say, what I learned about fashion and styling was like, for me, it just wasn't fulfilling. Like I didn't see like how it was actually changing people's lives. I didn't see the purpose of it. And that's not to say that a lot of other stylists feel that way because people absolutely do see the purpose in it. But for me, I didn't see the purpose. So I knew that I had to make a change. Like, quickly so I did it for like I want to say maybe worked in fashion for like two and a half years um but this is when I knew that I gotta make a change we are on set working with Rihanna for the 2016 MTV VMA Awards and I just remember I was so fucking depressed it was like yo I'm working with Rihanna and I'm (laughs) depressed depressed. (laughs) yeah that's a problem I I gotta make (laughs) red flag yeah like I gotta make a change in my life so, um, but yeah, story, telling stories and writing was like my natural God-given talent. Like ever since I was a kid, like I have like notebooks that are just like filled from my childhood with like stories that I would just write. Like my uncles have like all of these notebooks, like just with everything that I would write. So writing and telling stories and being able to like 
tell someone's story and seeing the reaction that you get when you tell a story and it's a powerful story and the person that you told the story about is also moved by it, that is what fulfilled me. So at that point, I just had to make an adjustment to just focus more like solely on writing and telling stories and just becoming more in tune with what I was actually passionate about versus doing things because I thought it looked good, like Instagram yeah. where it was like something cool to tell my friends like, yeah, I worked with Rihanna or I worked with like this celebrity, you know what I'm saying? So it was definitely, um, it was just an eye-opening, like an awakening moment working in fashion for, for me to like find myself and figure out what it was that I actually loved. And that just put me closer to everybody and everything that was going on at Blue because it was the only, and still is one of the only publications, print publications, minus like Essence, Ebony isn't around anymore, um, but that actually tells honest, true stories about amazing creative and of our generation. So I just literally leaned into that and I just, so we had Bombshell. Bombshell was just getting started. Um, well, it was actually getting started back when I was an intern. But we never yeah, you were around for that when it first started. I mean, yeah. to be honest yeah. with you, I remember that vividly. Yeah. Yeah. And so, but we never really had like a clear, concise direction of where we were going with Bombshell. So the first jump into me like being at Blue was completely just figuring out and molding the voice and caps like with Bombshell. Um, so Bombshell, of course, like has grown so much. We tell like amazing stories about powerful women of our generation. I think about like a couple of years ago when we only had a thousand followers to now we're at like 15.6K followers. So you see yeah. the growth and you see the impact that telling stories actually has on people. Um, so, so that happened and then and congratulations on that too, because I know that's your baby. That's essentially yeah. your baby. You so, know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. that is yeah. It really is your baby right there. It really is my baby. And so um, then I want to say what happened with, so from that I became the head of content for Blue as well, because it was like, there was, the stories that were being told with Blue, there were good stories, but um, I just feel like some of the team probably didn't really care so much. So we made a lot of like staff changes early. And then I took over to run both Blue and Bombshell. And of course, like now you see like the, the work that we have been putting out and all the stories that we tell and the beautiful content that we put out. So that's just been amazing. But as far as now, like, uh, the partnership that me and Devon have is stemmed from, so we're launching like a whole separate tech screen company called Blue Screen. And the, of course he needed like co-founders. So of course I'm, I've been there since day one, grinding with the brand and building the brand up. And so of course it was like initially like, yo, I need you to be one of the co-founders for this new entity that we're about to start off. So now to go from, intern to editor-in-chief of bombshell to head of content for blue magazine and to now one of the co-founders of our whole new company that's just like a, a journey in itself but a lot of hard work 
years of grinding and just believing in what it was that I was doing and it finally just paid off. So And what's this new tech company about? What 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 does that entail? So it's not okay, I don't wanna use the word tech because it's not well I guess it is tech, but right now we're on lockdown, but what we have are these digital screens, right? So all of these screens that we are placing. So you know our distribution is like barbershops and Barnes and Nobles. Um but with our distribution being with barbershops, so now we'll have digital screens located in all of these barbershops, but the screens will run our content. So it's like the content that you see in the magazine or the video content that we have online or on our social media will actually run on the screens as well as like our advertising partners content. So it's just literally taking the magazine and putting it on a screen in real time to just grow the brand to, our goal is, of course, to make Blue Lives Media like the number one media company in the world. So yeah, yeah, that's just that's a great of, idea. Yeah, that's yeah. fantastic. <laughs> that's, so that's, that's what we're up to now. But um, but yeah, it's been a hell of a journey. But shout out to Devon. I will say the thing that I love the most about Devon is like if he sees that you are a creative person, one thing that he does is like he shares his resources. And this even goes back into like our whole earlier conversation about like, how do we improve as a community? When you are a black person and you put yourself on and you get on and if you have the opportunity to like, you share your resources. I feel like our community has a problem with sharing our resources because we are so afraid that somebody will outshine us. And it's like, yo, yeah. no, that mentality has to be completely wiped away. It's not about outshining each other it's about literally building each other up to outshine like the people who want to keep us oppressed so yeah so i love that devon just shares his resources because no he does he lets you fly he lets you he lets you go out there and exploit you know and, and expose your talent to the world yeah. I mean, I, he let me run the sports department for a while. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, so like, I was writing like every. I was like, this is amazing. You know, they're doing the sports thing for the online. It was, it was fantastic. And he just let me look. Look, what you think is popping? Go ahead, bro. Like yeah. you know more than me about this. You know what I'm saying? He knows how to delegate responsibility, man. And I and I can see what he, why he chose you because you know what you're doing. Yeah. You know, and even when you, when you feel like you don't, you you're gonna you know you, you portray that. You know what I'm right. saying? Right. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. You but, know, uh, that's what's up. Yeah. Yeah, no, and you've had some dope artists too, man. Like you've had G Herbo, you know, you you did Surge, Flip De Niro, like you know, and then like you said, the content now that's going on on all the social media platforms is it's 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 impressive. I'm like, yo, that's all Ebony right there, man. That's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yes, she took over, just it. killing the game right now. It's over. <laughs> yeah, like. That's it. That's exactly what it's about. But yeah, I love the stories. Like, I love the stories that we tell. And yeah, even like you said, as of recently, like, I feel like the magazine looks so amazing. Like, it's such a, I think I have a copy of Like, this is the, G Herbo is at the office. I'm not in New York right now. I'm actually okay. in Ohio. But, okay. But yeah, like, our content is just like beautiful content. Like, I just love it. Like, I just 
No, that there's been a humongous evolution, man. Like you know, it's it's yeah. it's, it's fantastic, man. Never, you know, that's what's up, and that's you know, you got in the game, you got to continue to step your game up, man. And and like, are you are you putting equal amount of effort into the print as digital now that we more of in a digital era? Like, how's that going with the print situation? Um, so print is always our main focus because that's how we okay. get our advertisers. Like print pays the okay. bills. It's crazy because everybody okay. is like print magazine. Like, ooh, isn't that a bad idea? But for us, it's like it's what works. Like, yeah, and we will continue to be a print publication. Now we are trying to like figure out how, like, figure out the digital space a lot more and creating content that people will like actually click and want to view and. CTR rates and all these other things, like as far as like digital content goes, digital is more of our focus now versus print. I mean, print, of course, will always be our baby, but we're definitely trying to figure out how to make sure we can still sustain ourselves if we ever had to go completely digital. I think the lockdown was like a wake up call, like, uh oh. Because I was going to ask you about that, yeah. Yeah, it was like, such a wake-up call because, okay, we are print magazine. We're distributed at barber shops and Barnes and & Nobles, and none of that is open. And so if that's not open, then that means the magazine is not being seen by people, which affects our advertisers. So it was literally a big wake-up call for us. Thankfully, the economy is starting to um, open back up. Like Barnes & Nobles, we get messages every day from Barnes & Nobles about which locations have started to open back up. So... That has been okay, but it's just like that was absolutely a wake up call for us. Like, yo, we gotta like zone in definitely on digital to be able to bring in the same amount of revenue on digital that we bring in print. If there was ever something that happens to where everything just shuts down again. So that's definitely like our main focus for the rest of 2020 is just digital, digital, digital. Now, throughout this whole process, Ebony, have you have you felt any type of like discrimination for being a woman in this field? Oh my goodness! It is probably the, one of the main things that I struggle with every day is that I am a female um, in this industry and that I am the boss of a company and I have to give out orders to people. Um, yo, people literally will disregard things that I say. I remember once at one time we had a writer who I gave him direct orders and I will never forget it. And he literally looked me in my face and said, I'm not listening to you. If it doesn't come from Devon, I'm not doing it. And it was just like, whoa, that, <laughs> that is, it was You so don't crazy. messed up there, sir. <laughs> and just know that was his last day on the job. Yeah. Like that was literally his last day on the job. But um, the sexism, like, I I, I honestly didn't think that sexism was, like, really a thing in the workspace until I moved to New York City, until I started to try to make moves and work corporations, and you see how people treat you. Like, it's like, I'm not going to listen to you. Like, no. Where's the man at? It's just like, what? But I'm actually probably smarter. Not smarter yeah. than Devon, but saying like smarter than just like a lot of men. But it's such a male. No, but the thing is, like, look, you're in the position. Doesn't matter how smart you are. A lot of people think they're smarter than their bosses. 
You know what I'm saying? But you can't be insolent just because of the person's sex or their right. race or whatever the case may be. You know what I mean? Right. At the end of the day, you have to be a professional no matter how much smarter you think you are than your boss. Do yeah. the job. You know what I'm saying? Because how are you going to move up and get connections if you don't do the job? Now you're out of a job, bro. <laughs> Yeah. Now you know you're at the job and now yeah, good luck trying to get somewhere else. Because, yeah. But yeah. And now I, you're not gonna vouch for them? It's a negative situation all the way around. Yeah. It doesn't work. Doesn't work. And the industry is so small. So it's like, come on, you don't wanna burn bridges, especially with somebody who has a lot of connections to a lot of people. Like this i I'm like not a bridge that you wanna burn, but You've been doing big things. And now you were on you were on a show called Are You Newsworthy? Now, could you tell the public what makes a brand newsworthy? What you know, makes what makes you popping? What, what makes you wanna what makes you, you know, wanna put somebody on and, and showcase them in your magazine? Um, so what makes a brand newsworthy? Okay. Yes. Um, so I have like a couple of points that I feel make something newsworthy. I think the number one thing is like timing, right? So the timing of something happening or the, just for, or say for instance, if it's like a product um, and you're releasing a new product, right? But what will make it newsworthy is if you're releasing it at the right time. Like, is this something that people actually need? So for an example, I received a pitch about like bleaching skin products. And I'm like, yo, I'm not writing or doing a story about bleaching skin products because like, no way, like that time and it's yeah. just not gonna happen. So it's like making sure that your product is coming out around a time that actually makes sense. People hold projects back because of the timing of it. So just knowing the timing and is this the right time for my product to come out? Are people like demanding this product to be in stores or just out? Like, is this something that people actually want to buy? So paying attention to the market and knowing when to release the product. So timing is number one. Um, I think the next thing is like the innovation. Like how is what you're doing different from something else that somebody else is doing? Like, you have to be innovative. Um, I think, like, with Black, like, I use this as an example, but just because I'm a Black woman, but so many Black women are, like, leaning away from... Shea Moisture was once, like, 
the number one brand that black people just love. But as of recently, like we reading, we're reading labels. So you read a label of Shea Moisture and you see like how many chemicals are actually in this product. So people are straying away from that. And brands that actually use like natural ingredients and things that we know what it is are becoming the products that we go to. And that is also something that makes it brand newsworthy because you're not doing what the competitors are doing, but you're actually using legit ingredients that we know what they are. And yeah, so I Circle think of Sisters is good for that. You find some great products at Circle of Sisters. I don't know if you've ever been there before at the Jacob Javits Center. No, I haven't. But I oh, hear, you gotta go there, so, yeah. like, I always hear people say that. So I have to check yeah. it out. <laughs> yeah, I absolutely should. have to check it's it out. It's pretty lit. I'm going to lie. Yeah. <laughs> Got oh some good God. products there. Yeah. I'm actually yeah. using a product I bought from there for my curls right now, not for now. <laughs> <laughs> So they didn't pay me for the podcast, so I can't put them on yet, but we'll talk. Okay, because you can add that. You know how it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Shoot, you can add dollars, okay? Yeah, no, that's a fact. But um, then the demand of it, the demand, uh, the need, all of these things, like, make a brand newsworthy. So, yeah, that's just the thing. Timing, the innovation of it, the demand of it, and, of course, the way that you present it to the world. So, like, I can take this in the hood and I can take it to the top CEOs and people will still love this product. That's what makes the brand newsworthy. So, as far as the brand. But I work, because I'm, like, so heavy into music, so many, like, rappers... Or like aspiring rappers reach out to me all the time, like, "Hey, can you get me a record deal?" And I'm like, "Yeah, I can't get you a record deal, but I can listen to your music and give you some like tips and maybe point you into the right direction." Yeah, but but yeah. So what's your thought process when you go behind like picking an artist? Because you chose you Herbal, who I actually met at the airport. When oh, wow. I was bartending, yeah, no, I gave, and I didn't know who he was. And one of the young dudes was like, yo, there's one of the up and coming cats from Chicago. He's valid, you know, get him whatever he wants on the house. I'm like, oh, I bet. So, you know, I went over there, gave him a drink. I'm like, yo, bro, like, you know, much success in your career. You know, it was a, it was a flying by and it was so crazy. Cause now I see him on the cover. I'm like, yo man, that's crazy. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like he's and so what like what's the thought process behind who you cause I know you had Nipsey on the cover, you know, may he rest in peace. May you know Nipsey what I'm saying? Rest in peace. Yo. So the thing is is that like I love music, right? I love music. I love like I just love music. So I'm heavy into like the culture as far as like hip hop and and rap and R and B and everything. So I wanna even talk about Nipsey Hustle, the Nipsey Hustle cover. I literally, me and Devon were in the office and he was like, we are going back and forth debating. Should he put, should we put Nipsey Hussle on the cover or not? And I'm like, yo, no, like we absolutely have to do a cover with Nipsey Hussle. Like he is going to be like one of the biggest, he is on his path to be a huge artist. He's going to be a big deal. Like we absolutely have to do that cover. And so we ended up doing the cover and I'm so glad that we did because may he rest in peace but yeah i'm just so happy because it's like one of the only magazine covers that he actually did so i'm so glad that we did that but the thought process of picking like these artists of course we get pitches all day so 
publicists just pitch us things all day. But um, how we decide is literally like just believing in this art, the artist, like seeing an artist and you kind of know, like you know if an artist is going to be like that next thing or not. And so we- That's I the way I felt about Migos, yeah. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. I, I had to fight for Migos to get that article between me and the other dude. I forgot his name. But yeah, like I had to pitch. Like I was like, yo, chill. Like, because I was listening to them heavy before, you know, this 2015. Before, and look at that. They came a major success, Grammy winners. I'm yeah. like, yo, I'm proud that I was able to do that, you know, do that, do that, do that profile on them, man. You know yes. what I'm saying? Yeah, that's a fact. Absolutely. And so it's just like finding like amazing talent. And I love, and I love, and I love that, love that. Like, you know them when we put them on the cover, you're going to know them after because they absolutely blow up to be like two stars. So it's just seeing, like seeing something, like seeing the, the talent in these artists. That's literally how we decide who's going to be on the cover or not. Like if you are just some, um, yeah, you having a hot moment, but you might not be relevant next month then you probably aren't going to get a cover. But if we see the potential and see, like, uh, that's a star, then that's how you land on the cover of Blue Magic. Well, Miss well, Allison, Allison, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much thank for joining the Angel of Words podcast today, for pushing the culture forward, for keeping blue hot and sizzling, and and bombshell as well. Let's not forget, because 3,000 to 15K plus is no right. small feat in this business. Let me tell you. And I just want to say, keep doing your thing. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm definitely going to always be, you know, uh, paying attention to what you got going on and what's happening with Blue. You know, holla at me if you need any special things done. You know, I'm always here for you guys. And, um And uh, thank you so much. I really appreciate your time here on the Angel of Word podcast. And, you know, you know, the revolution is going to be televised, and I hope that you're part of it. I absolutely will be a part of it. And thank you so much as well, Angel. And thank you for sharing these stories and having us on and being a voice for the culture as well, because you are so important to us as well. Like your voice is important. So keep doing everything that you're doing. Like we love to see it. So yeah. All right. Cool. Thank you so much, my love. I appreciate that. You have a nice day. All right. You too. Good night. Have a great night. You too. Have a good night. Bye-bye. Hey everyone, I hope you enjoyed my interview with Ebony Allison, head of content at Blue Magazine, and one of the dopest ladies uh, out there in the media world. Now, if you like the Angel of Words podcast, please don't forget to subscribe, click on that notification bell, like, dislike, comment, Do whatever you feel is necessary, but engage with us. Let us know what you're thinking. Also, you can follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you want to see what I'm up to on my social media, you can follow me at Angel of Words ENT, all one word. Thank you for tuning in, everybody. Talk to you later.